Hey, welcome to the Town Hall Academy, episode 123. Now, that's got a nice ring to it. Hey, we're talking supplier relationships from the supplier's perspective. We are adding to the discussion that brings the value of the service professional and their parts supplier's partnership to the forefront. I mean, you have people out there that are... They are running around like a chicken with their head cut off. They got more business than they know what to do with, and they're not making any money. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey, Carm Capriato here. How are you? We've got a strong episode on building and growing supplier relationships. Hey, did you know that Jasper Engines and Transmissions has been a great supporter of the Town Hall Academy? And that makes this weekly aftermarket summit free for you. And did you know that one of the strongest reasons you support and purchase a Jasper quality remanufactured product? Well, it's because of their people. A Jasper associate is dedicated to high quality customer service, committed to excellence, extremely professional, and they've got pride of ownership as part of 100% associate owned company. Please visit jasperengines.com for everything Jasper. If you know a peer in the industry that needs to embark on this journey to learn all they can from the podcast, then please share this episode with them. If you're not subscribed to a free listening app, please do so, so you don't miss the wisdom we deliver each and every week. There's an app page on my website if you need to find one. And you can find the talking points already written for you at remarkableresults.biz slash A123. Now listen to Danny Durbin from Durbin Auto Parts in Prattville, Alabama, Keith West from Auto Supply Company, Bowdoin, Georgia, and Matt Ward, Director of Government Relationships and Field Services for AAAS. We recorded this at the annual Automotive Aftermarket Association of the Southeast's annual member meeting in San Destin, Florida, and their hospitality was off the charts. So why listen to this episode? Well, we get into some gritty perspectives from your suppliers on trust, delivery, training, and helping you, the service professional, succeed. We also talk pricing, margin, and the people factor. It's always refreshing to hear from one of the strongest spokes or partners in the distribution channel. Uh, thanks for being here, guys. Uh, let's have some fun talking about the supplier relationships. Keith, let's talk about, I think, one of the most important elements in any business relationship, and that is the service professional with their customer and the supplier with the service professional, and that's trust. Yes, and it's a collaborative effort. It's not to benefit just one one group, whether it's the supplier or the technician, but uh, the efforts that it takes need to come together and you use your knowledge across the board to work with one another. So you get a more efficient collaboration, which creates more trust and trust. You, you know, you can depend on someone. You can work through any problem. Uh, if you have that expectation that they're giving you the correct information, they're not shooting from the hip. They're not just giving you what you want to hear. We call it problem solving because we're out there when they're all in this, these service professionals out there, they're stuck. And they, they reach out to us as like Keith said, okay, we're in this together. We've got to figure out how to get it done. Okay. You said collaboration. I loved the word. You said stuck. Yep. Let's, let's drill into that a little bit. What did you mean by stuck? 
Well, when you get your, your service professional, he's out there and he's got this vehicle that he's working on. All of a sudden, he needs widget A, and he doesn't have a clue where to get widget A, and we have to cipher all the information from him to figure out where to get it in a timely manner that he can make profit on it. You know, that reminds me of the old-time parts stores. There's nothing they couldn't look, get, research, find, figure out. We got a sign that's in our store when you walk in the front door that says, Welcome to a real auto parts store. <laughs> Compared to <laughs> fake news. <laughs> fake news. <laughs> and, and, and Keith, you said collaboration. Give me an idea what you mean by that. The right information, working together to solve the problem, like Danny's talking about, the technician has the, the issue. Uh, you've got to collaborate, you've got to have the right information to get them the right part, but you've also got to drill down and give, um, uh, ask more questions and, and get the information out and pull the information out. But the collaboration part of it is you coming together for, for that end result. You know what your end result needs to be. It's not a trial and effort that you want to have. You want to eliminate those trial, trials and efforts. You know, guys, um, let's dig a little deeper. Collaboration. Have you ever been asked to help me with my business, not just find the part that gets the car out? Every day. Okay. That's where I want to go with this. So what do you mean every day? What kind of, without any names, someone walks into the office, knocks on your door, sits down, closes the door and says, Danny, I, you got a great second generation business here. I'm struggling. Can you help me? Have you, has that ever happened? It happens on a regular basis in the service world. I mean, you have people out there that are, they are running around like a chicken with their head cut off. They got more business than they know what to do with, and they're not making any money. And, and they don't know why they're not making any money. And, you know, we end up being, I don't want to say a financial advisor, but at some point we have to make them understand what have you got to do to make money. A lot of them, you know, one of my little points is they get caught up versus markup and margin. They really don't understand it. You know, most of these shop owners have been a technician all their life, and all of a sudden they're a shop owner, and they know how to fix a car, but they don't know how to make money. Mm-hmm. And so we go to them. They'll come in there and say, help me out. What, what's going wrong? Prime example, you know, they'll be working off markup versus margin, which is a really big deal. Wait a minute. I thought I, wait a minute, I, thought I was doubling I thought I was doubling. I know. Yeah, yeah margin's and, you know, easy. <laughs> I, I know it is. In fact, in, in fact, one, you know, it goes back to my old days. Danny, thanks so much for bringing this mm-hmm. up. Is that you got to sit down and have that gross margin lesson with them? You do. And literally, you got to you got to show them the factors. And you know, one of the easiest things that uh, that uh, that I think I ever taught a, a service professional was not to do the multiplier factor, but do the division. Yes. And the division gives you a truer, quicker gross margin than saying, what do you, what do you mean if I multiply times one and a half, it's only 33% gross margin? Are you kidding me? This has got to be phony math here. People say to you, no, 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 you don't understand. You pay bills with gross margin dollars and you're not making enough. You should be making tons more than I do as a supplier, right? Absolutely. Because, I mean, they've got all the stuff they got to buy too. You know, you're your scan tools and things like that, but they get caught up in it and they don't understand it. And once you explain it to them, they get it. Uh, another thing that they'll try to do when they're, when they're not profitable, in, in their mind, when they're not profitable, the first thing they think they got to do is buy it at a lower cost. 
There's <laughs> another bingo. <laughs> which is like, no, why are you doing this? You know, if you go out there and, you know, just a rule of thumb, we're working off margin, 50% margin. You buy it for 10 you sell it for $20. It's simple. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not making any money, so the best thing I need to do is go out there and buy it at a lower cost. Okay, now I'm buying it for $8, and I'm working off margin, and I'm selling it for 16 well, guess what? Mm-hmm. I'm making $2 less than I made yesterday. Yeah, but the argument always was this. I call around, I make 10 phone calls, I find the <laughs> highest list price, I sell it for that, and then I go and I beat my supplier up, and I get a lower price, and so I'm really making a lot more dollars. And then there's the story of how much time did you just invest in doing that? And if you've got 20 cars a day, you've wasted all kinds of time. And they don't do that. They'll tell you they do it, but they don't do it. Well, I know that, and <laughs> that's that's so true. Well, well, I, I'm so happy that you got that off your chest, <laughs> truly, because as 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 store owners, I know it bothers the heck out of you when you see your service professional not earning real dollars. And you said it in a nutshell that they have so much cost today. I've done do. so many shows on mm-hmm. this. So I mean, the catalog is over 550 episodes and I'm going to guess there's a hundred out there that talk about um, the, the, the profitability of the company. And we're really talking an awful lot lately about labor rates. Oh. Did you ever sit down guys and, and really help them understand that just because Charlie down the road's getting 79, that you need to be 75, maybe you need to be 95. Did you ever tell that story? We've worked with uh, ours to push them to get paid for what they do. And sometimes they'll get caught up, well, I've got to be competitive. Well, you got to be competitive, but you also got to make a living. And, and if you're not making a living and you're not getting paid for what you do, that's when they come to us and they say, I'm not going to make any money. And at the end of the day, they're making $65 an hour on labor rates where it should be 95 or 100 You know, some of the OE dealerships, they do structured tiered labor rates where the longer it takes to do the job, the higher the labor rate is because they're not turning the vehicles in the bays. That's right. It, it, yeah, the, the ver- we've done shows on the variable labor rates. Now yes. we're doing testing, diagnostics, mm-hmm. and, and, we're in the, and the part is not that a, a large enough factor in the entire invoice that you've got to have a higher labor rate. You because uh, we recently did a show, and I'm trying to remember uh, where the discussion was, but it was a $1,000 um, bill. Well, let's go out and sell some big ticket items. Well, the average, I saw a great report. The average net profit of the service professional is 4%. We're going to do a $1,000 job. That means I made 40 bucks. <laughs> At the end of the and day. And so what are you going to, how are you going to attract great talent? And so, Matt, you're out there and you're, you're seeing uh, not only jobbers, but service professionals. A- any of them ever come to you, Matt, and say, hey, uh, got to have, uh, have some good ideas on how to grow a more profitable business? Uh, we always hear that you, we need better uh, labor. We need more skilled labor, more skilled technicians. Yep. Uh, that's something that a lot of businesses are having trouble with these days. Uh, so that's something that I hear when I'm uh, on the road visiting our small business members. What kind uh, of advice can you give? Well, having great benefits, having great, uh, you know, unique things to your business that you do to bring in people. Um, there's a whole host of different things that you can do as a, um, a owner of a business to keep people engaged and working for you. And you're here, you know, basically think, think about the value that associations are to the industry. Huge service professional, jobber, WD, 
it's like if you don't belong to an association, and I, I firmly believe this because I was always a big fan and always joined, and I continue to be on the board of an association. What's you've you've got to join because not only do you get some really good programs, benefits, you know, great costs on 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 the things that the association brings you. You guys are here at a meeting. And you know each other, and you're talking about business, and you're learning from other people. We feed off each other. Yeah, it's the networking piece mm-hmm. that is so important that all of a sudden, you know, bing, it, it, it opens up the mind of so many people. So thank you for affirming that networking continues to be one of the biggest, biggest advantages of associations. It is. I always say that even when you go to, I don't know, we've been a member of this association all my life. So I don't even know how long, I'll be honest with you. But we always get something. You may not reinvent the wheel, but everywhere you go, you get to networking with, with other jobbers and with the personnel at uh, AAAS, and all of a sudden, bingo, that light goes off. Yeah. And you figured out, you know what, this is something that we need to do in our business to help our employees. Danny, you, uh, you told me the other day that you, you try to get across to the service professional having the win, 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 win. Yeah. In our world... You know, we've been out there and we've put a many manufacturers out of business. We just have by beating the manufacturers down on price. And, you know, we have a little saying that. So, wait a minute, wait a minute. So, if the service professional comes to you and says, I got to have a better price, I got to have a better price, ultimately you get so worn out that you go to the supplier and you say, We have to have a better price, a better price. price. And and ultimately they start giving in. The warranties come into play. All of a sudden you've got huge warranties that come in. So, you know, we have a saying that everybody has to win. The manufacturer has to win, the distribution has to win, the jobber has to win, and the dealer has to win. If you take one of those four and they don't win, it will never work. Just can't. It has to be everybody has to get it mm-hmm. a win in it. Did you believe in this? I used to I used to go to my service professional customers and I used to say, "Okay, um, don't support me. You know, uh, be fourth call." even though I'm a deserving of the first and, you know, put me out of business. Where do you think your prices are going to go up? Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, competition's good. Com- competition's good everywhere. It is. But also support is important. We try to build those long-term relationships with our programs and our quality. And uh, again, I just say, Hey, I'm not making profit. I'm not profitable. How do they help it? And once you build those relationships that are long-term, you know, the pricing side of it kind of moves down the list. It really does. You know, there's a lot of things that we do today. You know, when we're selling auto parts, I mean, we sell 35 38% of our hard parts electronically. So I don't really get to talk to them on the telephone. We have to make sure that we have the relationships out there with them to make it work. You bring up such a great point, and I had an actual question I wanted to ask you guys about e-commerce. Mm-hmm. And the challenge that that has to keep good talent on your counters. To, uh, to me, it's the problem solving because, yeah, you're going to sell the e-commerce. They're going to get the easy things. Well, when they got to find a, a blue widget for the back door that they really don't know how to look up, you've got to have knowledgeable people on the counter to be able to help them with that. And with that shift, with that shift, meaning you don't need as many on the counter. So how do you make sure you keep a blue seal, you know, top notch uh, legacy parts guy on your counter. It's a challenge because there's not as many of them out there today. I think everybody knows that. The knowledge is just not there. It's, they didn't learn it the way we did by flipping through catalogs and things like that. I, I have my oldest son that's working for us today. And, you know, he's a millennial. And 
He does a great job, but he does it different than I do. And so it's a challenge. Carm Capriato here with Ron Haugen of Westside Auto Pros. Ron, are Jasper product improvements important when deciding to buy your next engine or transmission? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Not only important for me, because I know that I'm going to put a product in a vehicle that's going to last, but they're important for my customer. Uh, My customer's already got an engine that's failed, maybe because a component was under-engineered, and Jasper's gone in and found that and fixed that. And if somebody's committing to the kind of investment to put an engine in their vehicle, they're going to want the best one they can get. Hey, Ron, what could you tell me about Jasper's customer service? Jasper's customer service is above and beyond pretty much any of the vendors' customer service that we use. There's been times that I've often thought we we need to hire whoever trains Jasper's staff to come train my staff. I mean, from, from the initial phone call to if there's a warranty problem, a question, a, a technical issue, uh, they answer the phone and you're immediately talking to the person that can help you. Hey, Ron, thanks for your insights on Jasper. Thanks for asking. You remember the days we used to stand in front of the Weatherhead cabinet look, trying, to, trying to build a Rube Goldberg uh, uh, option? I still have one. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, we, still, we still have as many catalogs as we can maintain. Of course, uh, the reps aren't bringing them to. The, they're not producing the catalogs no. anymore. It's no. all electronic. But we find that a lot of times we can locate things because the pictures are a little more, the, you've got the details more readily available to you. And part of it is, yes, we're older, and we, the majority of our staff, uh, they want to touch it. Want to touch it, and our some of our uh, technicians want to touch it. Yeah, we're doing a lot of the electronic catalogs nowadays. Where, you know, before we've got a rack of catalogs behind us. Our store is really clean and up to date, and we have this catalogs in order. A lot of them are old catalogs because all the new catalogs we've got in a file that we're doing all electronic catalogs now. Smithsonian? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Smithso- Smithsonian. We're a museum. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. Museum catalogs. <laughs> I can't even say that today. Well, you know, most they're of them are weathered. Most of them, they're weathered, and you look at them in like a 07 or 08 yeah. printed catalog. But, they're, but they, they are like so valuable. They are. Especially for the older uh, equipment. Whether it's cars, trucks, whatever. Remember in the old days, uh, somebody come in and says, "Listen, I'm building a, I'm building a race car. I need a shock that's this, this, this width, this length, this everything." And you'd sit in the back of the, back the shock of the catalog, catalog, and, and, and you go, you go, you go unit by unit. Says, "Listen, give me a day. I'll figure it out." Yeah. Well, today that thing's electronically, and we have to scroll down there through it to find it. And everything's more immediate. You don't have a day. And, and we've got to move fast. And will a millennial parts guy actually know to think about doing that? Google. <laughs> <laughs> we use that too. Okay. Google it. I love oh, it. Oh, yeah. Right, one, of the, one of the things that Danny said that, that really hit on me was the service part of it is a lot of times we don't put value to getting that information for going deeper and finding the right part. You know, our advertisement is right part first time. And so a lot of times you have to ask those questions. And that relationship with your technician and your counter staff is, hey, let's let's see if we can figure this out. You know, maybe it's not this widget. Maybe it's something else. We've seen this. Uh, you've got a lot of experience behind the counter from a lot of different people coming in the door where the, that they've already tried the, the other things. It, it amazes me something, especially like electronically now, uh, the things that in a car uh, affect the way it runs. And, you know, in the, back in the 80s, you wouldn't have thought 
But everything's dependent on the computers and well, processors. Well, they had one ACM and one body control module back then. Yeah. You know, today the average vehicle has what 145 control modules. Type of something processor. like that. It, it's nuts. It is yeah. hard to be in the parts business today, guys. Uh, I don't want to say hard because uh, nobody's going to stop driving tomorrow. I don't think. Okay, let me let me rephrase that. <laughs> From an investment of inventory, how the heck are you handling it? It's tough. Yeah. yeah, because you're steadily having to add SKUs to keep your your availability for the product. You have to make sure your supply chain is accurate and easy to get to. Uh, our supply chain is uh, we're steadily buying from multiple places. You know, from our distribution, our distribution is now using the hub and spoke model, mm-hmm. where you'll have you know the hub store and then you'll have the spokes, which is basically the other. Auto parts stores. But what are they putting in those hubs? Three, four million, do you know? Easy. Three or four million? Mm-hmm. I can't imagine what your investments are. Uh, they've got to be, you know, seven figures. Yes. And, uh, you know, that, that becomes one of the biggest, I think the biggest challenge is the new parts are coming out. How smart to know uh, the vehicle count in your marketplace, but then, oh, yeah, I got to put that in stock, but that part never breaks. So it sits on your shelf collecting dust for a year or two before you decide to send it back. And you just took an investment, you know, in a product that maybe will never break and won't ever sell. Well, in our program group that we use, we have some really good algorithms out there. We're using Polk data, uh, vehicle registrations. Uh, we're doing them segments by cities, by counties. Perfect. And we're actually turning that inventory. And if that inventory is not turning in our program group, we send it back and we get something else. Got it. Perfect. And, and the, the algorithms are huge. And, you know, there's multiple companies out there that are doing this. You have to because the days of looking in the book of a classification schedule they gone. That's right. And, and, and I'm so glad you brought that up because it's becoming really an art and a science. It is. To, uh, to, to stock a parts store today. Matt, I want to ask you, when you're out talking to the service professional and the duties you have for AAAS, um, when you ask them their greatest challenge, what are you hearing? It's what we were discussing earlier. It's finding skilled labor. Uh, you know, we we went through a, a, a long time in this industry where we, well, not specific to this industry, but you're putting more emphasis on a four-year degree, not getting a trade uh, school degree or a, a qualified technical school degree. And we've kind of hit a void where a lot of the skilled technicians in this industry are, are retiring, phasing out, and we don't have as many people that are engaged. And you're talking about the amount of technical coding and computers that are on a vehicle these days. I think there, you know, it's changed what you have to know to be good in this industry. And we got to get that message out to young people today that it's not necessarily just turning a, a wrench and getting greasy, but you can be working on a, a computer. Um, you have to have a laptop. You know, you say you got, you got a millennial doing things differently. Well, that, you know, that might present some unique uh, opportunities for this industry. All right. I watched one of your podcasts about the, you know, how do I get this technician to make 100K? Mm-hmm. Uh, he buys into the program and he does it right and he can make it. I have to tell you, that was, a, that was an eye-opener, and it's not like I haven't heard it from so many people in the industry, but I knew that we had to have, you know, we had to lock it down, we had to do a show on it. What, what I found so fascinating with it is there's literally, uh, Seth Thorson, who was on, said, listen, here's my program to any new hire. And he says, these are what you have to do in order to earn that kind of money. And he told the story of a person walking in and showing him the program. And he says, what do you mean I have to go to four weekend training seminars a year? 
He goes, you have to, because that's all part of your pay. That's all part of why we're the kind of Continuing operation. education. Yeah. yeah. And the guy said, well, I don't want to do that. He said, well, then, then you're not going to make that kind of money here. He may not even get hired, but the fact of the matter, he wants his people to earn and he wants them to go through the steps, be it comeback rate, ASE, uh, certifications, be it, um, you know, longevity with the company, all the different steps that, ha- that, you know, efficiency, all the steps that they have to go through in order to earn it. It's not like I'm going to give the guy a check for $100,000 in cash and a salary every year. Hope it's it just works. be part of my business, help my business be successful, help it grow. I'm willing to give to you if you help me along the way, because in turn, I know that all of these steps into this $100,000 program, that includes all the benefits and everything that goes with it. It's, it's stacked full. You know, the take-home could be 69000 but the benefit plan could be so heavy, laden rich with benefits. Most of your service facilities, the lead technician is by far the highest-waged person at the company other than the owner. Right. Always. Yeah. The lead. Then you have the other techs that don't want to go through what they're supposed to do and all that, and they wonder why they can't be making the kind of money that the lead tech makes. Matt just said uh, the greatest challenge that he hears in the field is um, is, is help. Do you guys? <laughs> I'm asking a question. I know the answer to. So when when uh, Keith, when when someone says I'm having such a tough time finding, I don't care. Pick it. A tech, B tech, C tech, whatever A right. and B C means doesn't matter. What do you, can you help them in any way? Uh, we, we do know a lot of techs and as you have already, we've already talked about is, is you have failing businesses all along. It may not be the techs issue that may uh, allow the business to fail. So you have a lot of people in your, uh, that you know, in your network, so they're in your network. Yeah. Isn't that a sticky, sticky topic? Come on guys. Don't you have to be neutral? I think you can be ne- neutral and say, I know of these techs. Uh, the other thing that we've we've started we've started trying to do is supporting our technical colleges uh, to be able to bring those people and train those people, and they come straight out. Most of our the technicians coming straight out of uh, a two year program, uh, they're they can find a job. They're going now, to the dealers, aren't they? Not all of them. We we actually started a program at our uh, local uh, high school. It's we call it our Botech School. Mm-hmm that you apply in eighth grade to go to this automotive academy. Mm-hmm. And you start in ninth grade and tenth grade. Perfect. By eleventh grade, you're taking early release and you're going to work, be it in an auto parts store or a service facility. Mm-hmm. You graduate high school and the service facility or the auto parts store will help you pay for your education going to a, a junior college, a two-year tech school or whatever, with a contract to come back to work for them. More and more of this going on. We just started it. Ours actually starts this year. We've started putting it in place because we were having trouble finding, like Matt said, finding techs and people in the industry. And a lot of times, like he said, you get too many caught up in the four-year university program, but that doesn't really create really good techs all the time. So, Well, and we, we've also started letting the tech schools come. We do a customer appreciation day once a year fairly large group of people come together. So we let them put a booth in and get to know some of the younger people that come to, to our customer appreciation day, the people that are interested in, in cars and things like that. Uh, some retirees want to have a second career. They may have retired from the service after, you know, at 50, and they want a second career. 
So those opportunities to support the tech schools is also important. I love it. There's so much going on with education today. So, so we, we do, we've done a lot of shows and, and I'm on an advisory board of our two year college mm-hmm. program and learned a ton. And, and there's a lot happening with those programs. I think, I think the investment in posts in, in high, in middle school, high school and post secondary is going to grow at a phenomenal rate over the next uh, four to five years because the principals, the superintendents, and the presidents of the college are finding out what a critical need there is in skilled trades. It doesn't matter if it's automotive, if it's service industry, bingo. And and they're I think they're going to start moving their money around. Now that's where it's going to take people like at, is at this table to be sure we have a voice and that and that we're, we we're, we carry our soapbox around with us and, and we start talking heavily about it. Hey, guys, thanks for going in that direction for me. I appreciate that. Uh, You had mentioned, Danny, a couple of things about what they want, beat you up with all the time. And, you know, there was always that rule, you know, service availability or price you pick too. Oh, yeah. You can't have them all. You can't have them all. And and then I also think of, you know, credit assurance, making sure that when I send the part back, I actually do get my credit. And, And I think of the salesperson. Where is the salesperson in the relationship today? They're key to it because they have to have that relationship with that technician or service provider, service rider at the shop because they build a relationship that they trust each other. And when they trust each other, there's never a question, hey, did I get my credit? You know, we have a really good pro- process where we make sure we get the right credits, whether it's a core credit or a new credit or a warranty credit, and to keep track of it that the customer has it and it's very fluid. It's very open, it's, it's transparent, and they trust it. And so once they trust it, it just makes it flow a lot easier. You have salespeople? Yes, I have two outside salespeople. Two. Uh, do they see their top customers each and every week? Every week. Every week. Most of the time, multiple times a week. Are they smart enough to know what's going on inside that business? And yes. can they offer any support or help? Yes, they're trained in to help them on how they can make them profitable, how to make sure they're using the right quality of part. What they want, yes, they're trained on it. The best outside salesperson I've I've ever seen, in my opinion, was a person that went out and he may be consistently selling them a certain product line, but when he uh, witnessed a confusion in the shop or something out there, he would step in and see if he could just find them a solution, give them something else, another place to look. And it not, wasn't necessarily uh, the opportunity to sell them himself, but from his experience and everything to contribute that. So, you know, we're back to trust again, but that person, that salesperson is the vehicle for creating that trust. Is the salesperson um, today being taken advantage of? Uh, I guess my point is, is there's, there's a lot of legacy guys that are out there that are taking, are taking the relationship that they have for granted and they're not really looking careful and close in the relationships that they have. I guess what I'm saying is, will the salesman ever just go away someday because they're they're not providing enough value? I don't think so. I said you have to have that personal relationship in any industry at some point. You cannot, I don't think you can get away from the personal side of it. So they're the link between the store and the counter and the store and you. Yes. When they come back off the road, are you distilling how their week or their day was? Are you trying to get deep inside of what's going on inside of your top customers? 
We are, and you know, their their pay is also structured to it too. Okay, and so we have to make sure we have growth, and you don't want to get stagnant out there. And you got to say, okay, what's going on with customer ABC? You know, we see his purchases are down, or or they're kind of declining. What's wrong? We need to identify that and go. We also need to make cold calls on new customers. We always want our customer base to grow, and so we have that salesman that's out there doing that. And I'm a firm believer in the sales salespeople. It's worked pretty well for us for a long time, and I think in the future it's going to continue. How often do you go visit your customers? I see a customer see customers every week. Um, I make sure that I see all of our customers at least once every six months. That's huge. Yeah, it's tough, but you know it depends on your market area too. You know, if you got a huge market area, it's tough. You know, we talk to them on a regular basis, but you need to see them face to face. Yes, you do. You know, there's a, there's a thing that when you have that face-to-face relationship, it means it. Yeah, I've asked that of the service professional in the past. How, have you ever seen the the store owner or the district manager in some of these bigger bigger operations? And they say, no. Why? Well, it doesn't matter. I, I deal with the guys in the store and the salesperson. And, and I, I have to tell you, I think if more owners and more district-level managers went out and did that face-to-face and handshake mm-hmm. and the tour of the business, it changes relationships. You can get a lot more done as, as when you have owner talking to an owner. You know, the owner of the service facility That's and the right. owner of the parts store. You know, if you have an issue, you can typically work through that issue. Or you can say, hey, you know, we've noticed that this is going on. We'll be glad to help you. What can we do to help you? Yeah. And a lot of times they'll tell the owner where the salesman may struggle with that at one particular location. He may not have the best relationship with them. How about you, Keith? I, I think that the, well, I know that um, the personal contact from the owner allows that person to feel like they have his ear, his or her ear, and they they feel more confident that they're being heard and don't hesitate. Uh, if we have a problem, I want it brought to our attention. And they may not sell the salesman. Tell us we've got a problem. We'll fix it. We'll, we'll work on <laughs> it. We'll dive deeper into it and find out what it is. Because if it's a problem for our customer, it's a problem for us. So you take them to lunch. You sit down with them. You look them in the eye and say, if you own my place, what would you do different? Well, I don't know that you take them to lunch necessarily because a lot of our customers are looking at it as, that takes me away from the shop. <clears throat> See, I, I have a you problem. Disagree. Okay. I have a problem with that, only because that's too bad that he hasn't created his business to run without him and that he could spend this kind of time. Yeah, learn how to work on your business, not necessarily in your business. Bingo. I mean, yeah, that's the that's what we do. That's what we do here for five hundred episodes. We my tell dad, that story. My dad spent a lot of money on me teaching me how to do that. I bet you he did, <laughs> and, and that's why, as tough as it is for you, because you have a task and a job in the business, you still find time to go out. You have to. And maybe the story is is you call up your 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 top one of your top ten customers and says, "Hey, let, let's come over and talk." And he says, "I don't have any time for you." You will make time for me, and then I'm going to actually give you a lesson on how, the, how you have to find time. I mean, to me, it's a learning moment, isn't it? It is. One of the things you're talking about lunches that we've done, we probably do, out of 52 weeks, we'll do about 30, 35 lunches at the service facility. Perfect. And we go out there, and our salesman is actually one that does it. And then once we do it at this facility, we encourage our employees, when they go to lunch, 
to go to that lunch at the service. And that way you get to put a face with a name, you know, when they're talking to him on the phone or whatever. Hey, I don't know what James looks like. Mm-hmm. I've oh, talked to him on the phone oh, all so the time. Important. So, and so they get out there when we provide lunch for these guys. And, you know, what? maybe we're just cooking hamburgers and hot dogs. And that's or it. I mean, you're not trying to sell yeah. them anything. You're no. just saying, hey, uh, we, we just love you, appreciate your business. Let's mm-hmm. do a cookout. It is. And we do, we do a lot of them. And that works better for us. But if you take them away from their business, we got to realize we're a rural auto parts store, you know, small shops. Two to three technicians. Total. I get it. I understand. And the owner is usually a technician. I get it. Okay. So it, it's, it's a little different than, than a larger city. Uh, okay, so you stand right next to him while he's doing the brake job. <laughs> you don't have a choice. Yeah. And, you don't and, slow him down. You don't yeah. interrupt him. You go in. Yeah. You let yourself be known. Yeah. You yeah. will take him donuts or uh, you know biscuits. and. Yeah. We had soap. a name with it. We had a name for it, Lunch with the Pros. Oh, wow. that's beautiful. What, I love what it. we did. So. Yeah, I, I, I want to talk about programs here in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, training, Matt, what kind of training does the association offer? Uh, we don't offer training with the association. Uh, we, we're trying to partner up with some of the community colleges, and you know, I talk to legislators all the time Got it. about getting everyone on the same page so we can point people in the right direction when they do come to us for training. Remember what part of Matt's job is, and it just, it just it, thank you for saying the word legislators. I mean, you're, you're working the whole le- legislative factor here in this, in this organization. Yes, yes. You like doing that? I do. Uh, we're monitoring legislation, you know, when sessions are in to make sure they don't impact, number one, this industry in a negative way. If it's something positive for the industry, then that's something we're going to get behind and uh, bring all of our, our member businesses together and educate them on these issues. Uh, and then, you know, just small business issues and overall uh, business issues that could impact our members. That's something that we monitor and, and uh, work on. Did anyone ever come up to you and say, what the hell are you doing that for? And then you said, don't forget... The government's your partner. Did you ever say that? <laughs> well, it's something you got to deal with. Uh, if, you, if, you're, if you're not paying attention to what's going on in your legislature, then well, you, you may uh, uh, you may find yourself out of business quickly. Such yeah. an important job. Yeah, the Right to Repair Act. I know. <laughs> you get to. Be yeah, I, actually, I just did a great interview uh, this past week, and it hasn't released yet with Bill Hanvey, um, Joe Register. It hasn't released yet, and you know we're all talking about who owns the data and all this stuff that's going on, and it's scary. It's scary, guys, to, to, to know uh, what, what this next fight is going to be about. It's really going to be about uh, everyone who is listening to the show and will listen to this in the future. To, you know, you've got to start writing letters. You've got to start, you've got to start making some noise because that OE dealer group is, is got more money than, than we're going to have fighting back. What did Bill that did our, suppose our speaker last year about the, uh, the data? Who uh, that the was data? Tom Tucker with Tom Auto Tucker with Auto Care yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we continue to talk about that. Let's talk about programs, okay? Back in the day, you could buy six and get one free or a fishing rod or some. Are programs big today in, in your relationship with your service professional? They are in mine. Okay. We, uh, you ask about training. Uh, I'm a CarQuest Auto Parts jobber, okay. and we have the CarQuest Technical Institute which we sign up our service facilities and they go to training six times a year. Sitting, you know, it's typically a two night training. Some of it's hands on, some of it's not hands on. Some of it is you're actually learning the scan tool. Perfect. Some of it's you're learning the hybrid side of it. And we have probably, uh, 15, 18 facilities that okay. participate in so that. So the, the point is you're not having a problem filling seats. We don't have a problem filling the seats. We have a problem from the 
commitment side of the technicians, the owners are in. I think we were just talking about this a while ago. You know, you want to make this much money, you got to do this, this, and this. And when the owners buy in and make it mandatory for the technicians, everything improves. You know, your warranty rates improve, your profitability improves, your labor times improves, it all improves. And so it's it's big for us. Um, The other programs, you know, we have some some really good rebate programs that are out there for them to improve their profitability. A, a lot of those kind of things that you ask about programs, yes, we still do them. Great. I want to get to you in a second, Keith. Thank you so much. But I want to remind everyone, Keith West is with us from Auto Supply Company in Bowdoin, Georgia. Raise your hand again because there's, yeah, very good. Thank you. Danny Durbin from Durbin Auto Parts and Matt Ward, Director of Government Relations and Field Services for AAAS. I want to talk to you about training, Keith. I wanted you to tell me about your perspective on that. I think training is very important. Uh, we do mostly on-the-job training. Again, small, one-store operation. And uh, we're the biggest thing we have now is, is using the using the Votech schools. Got it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And a lot, there's a lot of that going on. Well, in, in just supporting them, yeah. uh, we've got a good relationship with a, a number of the teachers, and you know, we we get the full full discussion of yeah. you know these these guys need a place to go. Yeah. Uh, but most of those are going in as technicians, but we also need employment. A lot of those technicians that realize they don't want to be as greasy as they're going to have to be uh, may to, want to come may work. want to come there and yeah. be a little less. The, the the industry has so many job opportunities oh, yes. in it. I mean, yeah, let's talk about Ryan Coyman from Standard Motor Products. Started as a tech. Bob Pattengale from Bosch. His dad owned a shop. He's the director of training for Bosch. So there's yeah. there's so many opportunities in our industry. I don't I don't think we show the growth potential. Yeah. In our industry, yeah. very well. Do do service professionals stock anything anymore? They don't stock as much as they used to. Uh, you know, nowadays what we call, you know, hot shot delivery or, you know, 30 minutes what is, or less. What is, okay, hot shot in your town is 30 minutes or less. How about yes. your town, Keith? We don't have a time on it, okay. but usually we, we can get to our customers within 15 minutes. Okay. Oh, wow. Even though you're as rural as you are? Yes. Wow. We don't have as many customers for one thing. Okay. I got it. I understand. But, uh, yeah, we'll do that. And it's not unusual for myself or someone else to jump in one of the vehicles and, and run something if they're at a press It's whatever press it takes, right? Yeah, for us, uh, you know, I got five delivery trucks, a dispatcher out there, and, and they're rolling. Uh, and they, all day long, they're out there making these deliveries, and it's uh, it's tough. So so what about the cry wolf uh, problems that jobbers have? Got to have it right now. Do you say, listen, I'll do anything for you. Just tell me the truth. If you, you know, if you need it in an hour, give me an hour. If you need it in ten minutes, it'll balance out. But only t- tell me, really, one on one, mono to mono, the truth, trust. Right. Just but, tell and, me what you and want. We, and we try trust. to work. We try to work through that trust side. But you know, with, with as much as the e-commerce that's going on now, again, you know, thirty-five, thirty-eight percent of ours hard parts is e-commerce. I know that, but it doesn't mean it has to be delivered. It doesn't mean it has to instantly. be delivered there. We ask for, you know, a note if you got to have it ASAP or something like that. Do you get it? Sometimes. 
Are you making three deliveries for 38 cents sometimes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, and that depends on the value of the customer it's to you, right? You yeah, know, absolutely. You know, I had, a, I had a good customer of mine tell me one time, I said, man, you got me to send a 58-cent drain plug nine miles. He said, well, you didn't say nothing when that ticket was $1,035. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm like, you're right. And don't, don't, don't forget, Danny, I just wrote a check for you for $10,000. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right? I know. That's right. Hey, you guys see drones in your future? I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know. I won't ever say no. I'm not going to say no because you know the Amazon model is a different deal. I just saw it. I just saw a, a news story on it. Mm. Electric drones. Yeah. Well, you know, you were talking about salespeople. Yeah. Amazon ain't got no salespeople. I know. None. I mean, there's a cost factor there. It is. And that's why that salesperson has to bring value, and that's why the job you have pull their weight. Yeah. They got to pull their way. It's just got to work. It's just got to work. Wow. Uh, let's go around the room. Let's finish this thing off. Any final words that you would all would love to say to the uh, to the aftermarket, Matt? Uh, you know, just as an association guy, we we like bringing people together, bringing businesses together, networking, being able to come here and talk to different uh, pieces of the supply chain is is very. Uh, you know, it brings a lot of uh, value to your business and, uh, you know, getting qualified techs, all that, all the things that go into making your business um, work well. Uh, you can get a lot of that out of being part of your association, being engaged and talking to your uh, not only your 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 neighbors, but your, your competition as well. Well, thank you so much. And by the way, it, in the early part of the uh, of, of the show, I forgot to mention uh, the great sponsors that we've had here uh, at uh, at uh, the meeting: N.A. Williams, the Auto Care Association, and Merrill Lynch. We we appreciate them and and getting us to come down. Danny, your final words. Um, it's an industry that's near and dear to my heart. Been in it all my life. My father's still in it. My children are in it. I think it has a huge future. If you look at the whole aftermarket as a whole, it is huge. It's not going away. You hear all the time, it's going away, it's going away. It's not going away. It's just changing. And we've got to be dynamic enough to change with it. I think the relationship side of it that you have with the service provider and the auto parts jobber is key to making sure you continue to grow. Wow. Love it. Thank you. Very intuitive. Keith. Uh, Based on what Danny is saying, relationship is the key. And I think in any sales effort, it's the key because it gets the best product in a timely manner for both and at a reasonable price. It's, it's good to have this conversation. I think you nailed it. I, I, frankly, in, in a very short amount of time, we covered a lot of ground here. We really did. <laughs> hey, that's the auto parts world. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it amazing. Well, thank you all for being here. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks, Thank Mark. you. Thanks, Thanks for having, for having us. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.